we have four different children that have four different beautiful shades of skin color, four very different textures of hair. Yeah. I have hundreds of dollars of hair, hair products. products. Yes. <laughs> My name is Chastity Stevenson. I've been doing hair for over 11 years. As you know, a woman's hairstylist means more to her than just doing her hair. Over the years, I've put my therapist skills to the test. The salon is a place not only for personal venting, but also for discussion of current events amongst a community of women. So if this chair could talk, this is what it would say. So I would like for you to tell me a little bit about your family dynamics. Tell me, you know, how you became a foster mom. All right. Um, well, my husband and I have been married for about 10 years, and we actually talked about wanting to have adoption as part of our family dynamic when we were dating. Awesome. So once we got married, we started the um, licensing process. We went through and started our background checks and found some agencies that we like to work with, started the home study process, and we were matched fairly quickly. So we have done three domestic infant adoptions uh, for our three daughters. So these are our three forever children. That was the path that we wanted to take with our family. Um, And along the way, as we were in the adoption world, learning about different situations and what uh, birth families go through and what happens with children as they grow and change along the way also, we started to uncover a lot about foster care and the foster care world, which was something that had not been on my radar at all beforehand. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that you don't think about because it's pretty confidential Mm -hmm. and uh, you don't know until you know. Right. Mm -hmm. But we started asking some questions about foster care and decided that we wanted to become licensed foster parents. It took us about two years to come full circle of the beginning of our thought process about foster care to actually having the first two children in our home. Um, and in about three and a half years, we've had five little visitors through our home. Oh, wow. It has been a roller coaster. Oh, wow. I think um, Jenny mm-hmm. may agree with me when people yes. ask, what what can I say about foster care? I say, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What ages? What age range? Um, How small? We are licensed for children up to age four. Okay. We have younger children in our home right now, so that's the best fit for our family dynamic. Gotcha. We want to make sure that we enter situations that are healthy fits for the children that we're welcoming into our home and healthy fits for what our family is able to support and sustain so that we're not causing a potential disruption down the line to the kiddos. Okay. Um, So right now the ages in our home range from seven to one and a half. Oh, wow. We have four little girls right now. Oh, nice. What about you, Jenny? Well, I I would say that we're almost – uh, the opposite of Sloan. We, um, my husband and I have been married 16 years and we had, uh, two biological children. And when my kids were, um, school aged, I, I went back to work. I started working at a nonprofit and really became aware that, gosh, we weren't really contributing to our community the way we should be. And so I kind of brought up the idea um, of fostering to my husband, and uh, he immediately shot it down. (laughs) And um, it took some time in him connecting with some people and him kind of coming to a place where he thought, you know, this is something that that would fit for us. Um, And so we started fostering when our biological children were seven and five. Okay. And um, so we've been fostering four or five years 
and last June just adopted um, our our third placement, um, who is now three years old. And so he was with us for about two years before um, he became um, available to adopt. So we are a family of three. I have a teenager, a tween, and a three-year-old. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that, I'm sure that took some adjusting. It, it absolutely <laughs> has. Yeah. And there are days where I can't decide who the toddler is in my family. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's definitely a balance. Um, but we've had, like Sloan, we've had some beautiful children through our home, and we've had some great experiences as a family and um, we're just really thankful to be a part of the fostering community. It's really opened our eyes to a world that we just weren't aware of. Awesome. Um, as a person who I'm very foreign to fostering, what is the typical uh, time frame or what can, how can it vary from um, a child being with you? There's nothing typical about nothing. fostering. Okay. So that's, I think that's the biggest challenge is, at least for me, I'm such a planner. Mm-hmm. And it was just the understanding that, you know, next year if we plan vacation, we may or may not have a baby with us. Um, it it's You're in absolute no control. You really are just kind of along for the ride. And um, that's really, to me, that was a really hard thing to adjust to. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, the nature of foster care is very high level urgency. So when children are removed from their homes, they're removed pretty immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, As a foster parent, you get an hour or two's notice that there will be a child or children coming to your house, and you have a sliver of time to brace yourself for their arrival. Uh, And the same holds true for how their case plays out, how, how hard their parents are working. Case plans look different for every set of parents. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it could be a few days or it could be a few months or a few years. Wow. Wow. So how, um, I guess, as uh, like with your biological children, how do you, how did you kind of introduce them? Like kind of like, how did you take the, with the road you took with your husband? How did you, (laughs) how did you do it with your kids? Well, I think they were at a great age for it. Mm -hmm. So now they're normal. It's, it's their normal. And they Mm -hmm. were young enough that, um, I mean, in the beginning, we had we definitely had to have conversations that you don't typically have with seven and five year olds. Mm-hmm. But there's so much training that goes with it. So we, you know, we they they knew that this is what we were preparing to do. And uh, I mean, for us, the biggest struggle was we got our first placement of two girls, and after a week, one of the sisters went with her father. And it was hard for our seven and five year old to understand how sisters didn't have the same father, and so. Those are conversations yeah. that, that aren't easy to have. But um, you don't really think about yeah. explaining it until you have to. Yeah. But in the same vent, I appreciate all the authentic conversations I've been able to have with my children through the years because of actual experience. Life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and them getting to meet people that, I mean, even us, getting to meet people that we never would have met. Um, in other circumstances. And, and so for me, I, I hope that it's a, it's a blessing to my children. Mm-hmm. It's hopefully teaching them empathy and 
compassion. I always tell people, you know, we want our kids to know you don't just love your neighbors in theory, like you really do really like we're showing them how you love your neighbors and that it's not easy and it's not clean. It can be messy and Mm -hmm. hard and, and some days it's better than others. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, how did you, I guess, in different like friend circles or families, like how would you say like your extended family reacted to, you know, this choice that you, you made? Was there any, you know, judgment or any type of, you know, what are the questions, I guess, mm-hmm. that you got other than like why? I think there's, there's a lot of confusion uh-huh. from people. I think uh, as my husband and I pursued adoption as our first choice, we had to explain that to some of our family members. A lot of our family members knew that this had been on our hearts beforehand and understood that about our personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly entering the, the world of foster care is different. And people who love you want to protect you, mm-hmm. and they don't want to see your heart break. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that is explaining that we understand we're putting our hearts on the line. We understand that this is very vulnerable, not just for us, but for our intimate family and for, um, you know, for our, our longer, our broader family as well. Uh, it's a greater impact, but also um, a greater access of love that our families can tap into and that these children get to experience being loved wholly for who they are for however long we get to have them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jenny? Um, we've anything that sticks out. We we've been really fortunate. Our families, even though PT and I don't come from a background where anyone's ever adopted or done foster care, our our extended families embraced it. Um, we have a great community of friends who would rush in and bring us. You know, as Sloan said, you have kids that show up on your doorstep, and all of a sudden you have a two year old after, you know, years of not having a two year old mm-hmm. and they bring you meals and things. And so we've, we've really felt that support. Um, I think the thing we weren't ready for was how we not only were putting our hearts on the line, we knew that um, the first time my father said goodbye to our little one that had been with us for almost a year, um, you know, we were visiting and I just saw him tear up and I, I realized, I thought, oh, well, you guys are all kind of unwilling participants in this. And um that that was hard, but no, I mean nobody in my family resents it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's always hard to to see someone you love, you know, sad. Right. So, so um, you have adopted and foster. Yes. Okay. So as you saw in the email, I titled it, you know, yes, that's my mom because <laughs> <laughs> um, I know a lot of times. Um, kids will, you know, question your kids and be like, wait, so Mm -hmm. that's your mom? That's Mm -hmm. what I had it titled as first. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I don't know how that would read. But um, how do, how did you help them explain that? Um, I've had that conversation with a few of my moms in the salon. And I know one in particular, she went out and actually hosted, um, it was uh, some particular day that her classroom was having. And so she chose to use that opportunity because she was getting hammered with questions like, mm-hmm. wait, so that's your mom? And yep. do you need my mom to help you do your hair? <laughs> like she, they didn't understand it. Um, so did you, do you have any experience or any? Yes, we certainly, we've encountered that a lot in my family. <laughs> yeah. So in my family, um, there's no, there's no biological connection. There's, of course, 
deep familial connection with uh-huh. all of the children in my right. family. Um, but everyone looks different. Mm-hmm. We have four different children that have four different beautiful shades of skin color, four very different textures of hair. Yeah. I have hundreds of dollars of hair, hair products, products yes. at my house. Um, and yes, we we come across that frequently. And my children come across that yeah. often also, yeah. um, whether it's riding the school bus mm-hmm. and they want to know, what that's your sister? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, at the playground, in the grocery store. Um, some of that we've been able to uh, help elevate awareness in our preschools. We'll send in books at the beginning of the school year that address how different families look different. Um, We have this one great book right now for my six-year-old who has the most gorgeous, large, curly, just thick and fabulous hair. And uh, she's very proud of it, but is not, um, doesn't love everyone touching it. So yeah. we just got a book called Don't Touch My Don't Hair. Don't Touch My Hair. And it's great. It's about this little girl who looks just very much like, like my her. six-year-old who's uh-huh. got this big, gorgeous hair. And it's about how she can be proactive and educate other people in her community and say, my hair is beautiful. I don't want you to touch it today, mm-hmm. but let's talk about something else instead. Yeah. So some of that is um, my children being able to stand up for themselves in conversations and talk about how all families look different. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband and I have been thoughtful and and stumbled along the way and then tried to redirect how we can put our families in situations with other families that look like ours, mm-hmm. that look different, because too much homogeny is um, going to be hard for our kiddos with mm-hmm. our family, as colorful as it is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. making sure that um, we're with other families other friends and families at the playground and in our church and our school and our preschool and our family life as well. That's awesome. Um, I try to, cause even like I would get people that want to touch my hair and I always kind of tell even like my little kids that come in, it's like, it's like any other part of your part of your body. Right. You don't get to just touch it, you know, mm-hmm. because you, you want to, you know, you need to ask me, you need yes. to, you know, I can explain. Um, but, um, that's one thing about curly hair is so fascinating and it's so rare. It's so, it's so rare and exotic that, um, it's fascinating. People mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. like, they're, they're curious right. that more than anything. Well, so, and for me, I have, <laughs> long straight hair it's it's kind of a one trick yeah Yeah, my hair does a ponytail it is magical so feeling these luscious curls Mm -hmm. is my I mean my hands just want to dive Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. and that's on the flip side I tell people that immediately get offended it's like look everybody doesn't mean you harm it's a lot of just curiosity and you know it's sometimes foreign to a lot of people Mm -hmm. you've never you know if you've never seen it before and Every head is different. So even if you've seen someone with curly hair, the next person, it may look, you know, totally different. So I um, I may have to get that book and keep it in the salon. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> that sounds like a great book. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jenny? Uh, we have for sure had instances where there's confusion. We, after a soccer game, had somebody call security because they thought my toddler was on his own and he was actually with his sister. Uh-huh. Um. And so there are a lot of times when we're places where I intentionally go up, like, because we're on the, my older, because my kids are older, my, my big two, um, we're at a lot of sporting events. So, mm-hmm. and you know, three-year-olds like to wander. Right. So I just kind of sometimes touch base just to kind of make sure people realize who he's connected to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Probably in a little bit different sense, you know, I have middle schoolers and the first time we went to a parent-teacher conference, we were coming out um, with baby brother and I heard one of Preston's classmates say, Preston's brother is black, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's, it's you know, been also for my, my older two, you know, having a, a black sibling mm-hmm. and, and understanding what that means for them. And and my my oldest doesn't like to to stick out well he's in middle school but yeah. he doesn't like to stick out and so we we're like well you know we we do what we can we <laughs> right so um I guess let's say like in because you're you said he's is he the one in middle school mm-hmm. well they're actually my oldest oldest two are both middle school both now. middle school mm-hmm. um I guess um from any like experiences with like school and things like that have you ever um encountered like him having to defend him and all, or no, like as far as like, um, like trouble, you know, people like, you know, being like prejudging or anything like that. Um, we haven't, we've been really fortunate. That's awesome. Um, but it, it, it it is one thing that, that kind of makes, you know, our family stand out more than we were used Mm -hmm. used to, you know, it's a a new experience. How do you prepare him for, being black in America, like how do you think that will go or <laughs> yeah, has <yeah>. gone? <laughs> it's a tough. I know it's a tough um, one. Yeah, it's you know for for us obviously we can't share experiences, mm-hmm. and um, so we have done our our best to really learn and read, and we're doing a better job of surrounding ourselves by people that can share their that experience. experience. Yeah. And so he has people in his life that um, look like him. So he's not constantly around people that don't and don't share his experience. Um, so we know we have a lot of work ahead of us. And um, especially having a little boy, we are very aware of what that means. Um, and I'm hopeful that the climate today will result in a world when he's an adult where he won't have to worry right. about some of the things that we worry about now. Right, right. So I remember watching um, This Is Us. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it in forever, but I this particular episode stuck out. I'm sure you probably know <laughs> what I'm going to say, um, where the mom was at the pool. and mm-hmm. yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> The sunscreen question. <laughs> yeah. And she... Um, was telling her about when he gets out of the pool, you need to, you know, put lotion on and when, he, you know, take him to this kind of barber. Mm-hmm. Have you had that person that was able to kind of like guide you, um, whether it's your son or daughter, um, and like kind of this is what you need to do? So for our family, we have been very lucky to have some special friends, awesome. uh, members of our church community, members of uh, now that we're deeper into the foster care community members of the foster community who've been very helpful to us Mm -hmm. as we address um, different kinds of skin concerns with eczema and ashiness and Mm -hmm. wintertime skin versus Mm -hmm. summertime skin. And then the hairstyling, which is Mm -hmm. (laughs) something that is so new to me. Uh, These last seven years have been a whirlwind of absorbing as much information as possible on Hair care tips and tricks and styling. What have you learned? Moisture, moisture, <laughs> yes. moisture, moisture. <laughs> right. Always. What's your favorite hairstyle to do? 
Right now, my best trick is to do puffs. <laughs> okay. My four-year-old loves twists. Okay. And I can do a few twists, and then my fingers start to cramp up. <laughs> but luckily, I have some friends that who can are good do at part. twists who will come do princess twists. Okay. When she needs her princess mm. twists. Okay. Done. What do you think about the time that it takes versus the time that it may take to do your hair? Oh, it's so eye-opening. <laughs> it's I, I truly had no idea. Yeah. This is... This is a whole new world. Isn't it? Yep. Do you now understand more why um, we go to the hair salon more often? Yes. <laughs> yes. And why, um, you know, sometimes with people wearing hair extensions yep. is not necessarily a, a thing of not having hair. It's like a low maintenance because mm -hmm. it takes forever. Or why the little black girl may not be able to go swimming as often. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I think you hit the nail on the head yeah. for us this summer. Swimming was swimming was a big one. Yeah. Um, everyone wanted to be at the pool and at the beach as often as possible. And that salt water and that chlorine just it does the a demo. number. Yes. It really yeah. does. Yes. It's one thing that you don't you you will never understand until you are in situations like you guys, because it is something that we start very early on. Like. Mm -hmm. Three, three, four years old, you know, and it's one of those things that, like, you have to do protect your hair at any cost, like, you know, from sleeping to extracurricular activities mm -hmm. to scheduling your appointments. It's it's uh, a major part of everyday life for us. Mm -hmm. Jenny, do you have any special um, well tricks? I, I mean, we certainly do. Favorite since. since um, since I've only had baby girls and okay. um, now I have a little boy, but s still I definitely had the experience where another foster mom kind of came up and tapped his head and was like, hey, what do, you, what do you know about what you should be putting in his hair? And I was like, I don't know anything. Um, Would you have ever asked someone? Um, we were. He, I mean, he was still really little at that point, gotcha. but we. She was just going to jump start on it. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. And, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, we had certainly, I mean, when we took our first placement, I remember being there with the social workers, and they were two black older women. And I was taking a, a three-year-old and a baby home, and she had her hair and ponytails with knockers. And I looked at the social <laughs> worker, and I said, this is my first placement. And I was like, can you, like, what do what do I need to know about her hair? And she said, oh, honey, just go to the ethnic aisle. And I was like, and that's all she. And did you see that aisle? Oh, yeah. And I <laughs> the stood aisles. there. Yeah. And I've I, sometimes I stand there and I think people think I'm lost because I'm like, I'll be trying something new. And um, and they were probably like, oh, honey, you don't need to be in the aisle. And I'm like, no, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. do. I do. Um, so it's, it, there's been a, a big education. But this very kind woman bought some stuff for me and showed me how she mixes it up and how to put it in his hair. And as it was really helpful. Probably our funniest experience is the first time my husband took him to the barber shop. Ooh, how'd that go? Well, he, we, you know, you know. He we, took him to he, his barber? No, no, okay. no. So we did, we did, we know, like, <laughs> okay. we know, especially for, for boys, yeah. like, this is a, a big piece of culture. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to honor that. And so my husband found, um, a barber shop near our house, and he said he walked in. And it was like the music stopped. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Who's this guy?" 
Um, but they were fantastic. Um, the barber said, you know, what do you want me to do with this hair? And my husband said, what do you think we should do with this hair? And um, so it, it's been really great. Yeah. But the, the first time was for sure. Eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah. I asked that question because I know um, it can be an intimidating situation. Mm-hmm. And um, just as I'm asking you guys, your experiences, what would make that less intimidating, if anything? Because I feel like that's something that, um, so I I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I'm in a lot of mom groups. Um, and for research purposes, I obviously don't have kids, but it's um, for me to kind of see like what questions are being asked, what advice is being given, you mm-hmm. know, things that are right or wrong. I just want to know. And so I was in um, this particular group and it was for parents of biracial to- children, actually. And a mom asked a question and... Um, it was just about, I think it was hair extensions. And she just asked what age would be appropriate. So, I mean, everybody just started, like, attacking her. And I knew for some reason, just from the way she asked, that she was actually looking for backup, like reinforcement, because mm-hmm. I think the daughter wanted it. But everyone was judging her, and she mm-hmm. was a white mom, and she was it, they were prejudging her on the fact that they thought that that's what she needed, like that's what the mom thought that she needed when, you know, she came back and said that, you know, no, I just wanted, she wants it and I want other moms advice on, you know, hopefully backing me up that no, you know, she's too young. So again, going back to the whole thing that everyone, um, a lot of times people are just curious and mm-hmm. it, it's it's one of those things that I think as um, black women, we, we, we can be a, a little defensive about or a little, you know, aggressive about. So um, I, like I said, with the experience where the mom came to me and, you know, actually, honestly, I felt it was an honor because she felt comfortable, um, whereas she may not have felt that before. So if you had any insight or any um, feedback on, you know, making that a more, obviously you guys, you know, have, you know, families that look like you, you have friends, you're looking, you know, to be able to connect with people that can help you. But there are so many parents that don't have that. And um, I would like all those moms to be able to, you know, approach someone, maybe even a stranger, you know, that they see make, you know, have a child that looks like, you know, theirs or, you know, may know anything, you Mm -hmm. know, so it's not as intimidating. Well, I will say we have gotten a lot of advice and support along the way. We've gotten a lot of unsolicited advice, <laughs> and that can be, you know, in the line at the grocery store yeah. or getting a cup of coffee. Um, What's that like? Sometimes it feels a little abrasive to yeah. me if I have not had enough coffee in the morning <laughs> and someone is offering me advice on my child's hair. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it is very lovingly given, mm-hmm. and and I, and I try to receive it uh, that way as well. Um, I think making information available. So saying, hey, I noticed that you have this beautiful child. If you ever have any questions or need help with hair, please reach out to me. That feels like a safe, that Mm -hmm. feels like a safe encounter for me Mm -hmm. if I am at the very beginning stages Mm -hmm. of things. Um, There's so much information out there. It it honestly can be a little bit overwhelming. Listen, there are moms that are black moms that have the same struggle. So, I mean, yeah, they may have mm-hmm. hair that like looks like their kids, but honestly, if they're going to the hair salon every week, they're not really doing so trust me, mm-hmm. you know, all of us are not, you know, professionals, but I even struggle like if I'm in Target, there's been so many times I've gone in Target and I have these um little 
flyers for the Curly Kids campaign and, you know, I want to bring them in, but then I'm like, I don't want to approach someone and them take it like your hair looks terrible here, you need to come. So I struggle with kind of even, you know, balancing that approach. Right. I think a lot of parents, my, my, my nature as a parent is to be protective yeah, of my yeah, children. That's absolutely. the way I'm designed. That's the way parents are designed. Right. Um, but I'm coming from a place of understanding that someone is trying to help you mm-hmm. and support your learning knowledge of this child and how to care for them is really important. Right. Yeah. What about you, Jenny? Any feedback? I, I think that's, that's probably the hardest thing is just on both ends. Nobody wants to offend anybody. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we miss opportunities. I agree. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe through this conversation, we can get, you know, a way to kind of bring the two worlds together. Like you said, in a less abrasive and less Mm -hmm. critical um, type of uh, environment. Um, Also, I think volunteering would, you know, be a very nurturing and gentle kind of situation um, to, give that knowledge. I mm-hmm. know you guys did some where, you know, the parents kind of shared information. So mm-hmm. I think that's great as well. Yeah. I think we have lots of opportunities in the Charlotte market for salons to open up some times where they might offer um, kind of drop in pop-up classes mm-hmm. where families could come in and learn a learn. little bit about twists or braids or just basic hairstyling mm-hmm. because every texture is yeah. oh so different yeah. <laughs> as I am learning. Do you have any braiders? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Do your babies want, they, yours are too young probably. Mm-hmm. Do, mm-hmm. Did they have the desire? Have they asked for that, requested that style? My oldest likes princess braids. Okay. My four-year-old who has very, very beautiful, but very kinky, very mm-hmm. dense hair, um, has a sensitive scalp. So she likes she likes the twists, but the braids are really hard, hard for her head. Yeah. We've yeah. only done that once, and she does not want to not do it again. <laughs> she has to forget about it before she'll want to do it again. I don't blame her. What do you think um, our best way to bridge the two, bridge the gap, other than the volunteering, other than the giving of the advice of the whole stereotype that, you know, white people shouldn't ab- adopt black children? Because honestly, I'll just start, I think that love is love. And I think that's something that we are forever learn, uh, learning and accepting more, j- just even in not necessarily parenting. Um, and I think that, you know, children need love, period. Mm-hmm. And it should not necessarily matter what the parent looks like because that, you know, love can be given and received from, you know, anyone. So I would like, what is your, you know, take on how sometimes people can perceive that or even have that you know, stereotype as we saw in the video. Right. Well, especially in foster care for, for us, we got a, we get phone calls and we don't know anything about the children that are coming to our house. And so sometimes I, I, I certainly have done enough reading and researching and understand the sensitivity to the white savior narrative, but we, we didn't know what color. Right. Um, It wasn't a choice. Yeah. So we just responded to there's a baby in the NICU. And honestly, when we went to go get him, he was a preemie Mm -hmm. and he he was very light. I mean, we so we didn't have any idea what kind of baby we were taking home. And um, so you didn't know 
they didn't know his race? I, they don't tell you. They don't really tell you. You just kind of. Oh, no. You just kinda, not even when you take them in. <laughs> not really. Wow. No, it's very. It's very. It, I remember after a week, you go to court for a hearing, and that's where my husband met his mother. Gotcha. And he came back and said, "She said she's African American. I mean, she's African American. She said he's African American. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he was just teeny. I mean, he was only six pounds, mm-hmm. and." Um, so I, you know, that's a struggle for me because we, we brought home the children and we've had children of all different races mm-hmm. in our house. And, um, so, you know, for us, our job was to provide a safe place for the children as long as they needed it. And, um, I, I definitely feel like, I, I don't know if you feel this way, Sloan. I feel like this is us is great and it can be not great sometimes. Mm. It gives a good talking starting point mm-hmm. for conversation. Um, although we, you know, struggle to talk when not not every child has a beautiful story like Randall. Mm. Um, and and we, we definitely don't want to be people who burst balloons, but <laughs> <laughs> that's not necessarily the kind of story everybody has. Right. right. But we we like that it's a talking point. For people and it gives people a frame of reference mm-hmm. you know sometimes pop culture can be really valuable that way mm-hmm. um but um i i try to be respectful of where people are coming from because there's a history that you know i have read a lot about and i i understand there's a lot of damaging things so i i could see where there's resentment for white people and especially i feel like raising black boys like what do we, I mean, it's easy to say, what do we know? Mm-hmm. I mean, because what, what do we know about right. raising a black boy? Um, but we know that we love him enough to figure out everything we can, and we want to make sure he's connected to his culture. And we're excited to learn about a new culture. It's been really fun for our family to realize that there's a, a whole world that we weren't that connected yeah. to. You know, we went to our first Juneteenth celebration this year and I was just gonna say have you ever heard the term invited to the barbecue have you (laughs) Mm -hmm. well and we understand that maybe Brayden gets invited to the barbecue and we don't and that's we're we're okay with that because we we want to be respectful um we we understand that sometimes white people can can really infringe on black space and we don't want to we don't want to be a part of that so we we want to make sure that our son is welcomed in and and sort of like Kristen Davis said in the interview, you don't you don't have to like us, but you know, please embrace our child, mm-hmm. and we want to do what we can to make sure he's connected to his community. But first and foremost, we're going to make sure that he feels loved, and um, we're going to give him all the tools that he can to be successful in life. So, you can't yes. ask for much more than that. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. What Jenny said. Yeah, supporting mm-hmm. that cultural exposure and being supportive and open and loving. I can say, um, I didn't tell you guys this, but my brother, um, he's adopted and we've had him since he was two days old. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just coming from a place, obviously he looks like me, but it's just, he's my brother. And I don't think of, you know, anything different. My mom is his mom and, you know, we are family. And I think that's one thing that, um, when it comes to fostering adoption and honestly, like I said, there are so many unknowns to me on how that process is, like I said, I didn't know that you don't even know their race or, you know, how long you'll have them. 
or how much time you have to prepare to have them. <laughs> right. um, but I, I think that, you know, having loving uh, parents and uh, connected parents that, you know, want to foster that relationship with the family they have and also, you know, the family that they might have, you know, left. Um, one one experience I had with a, a client was she came to me and um, she was having hair uh, issues and not, it was more like a hair loss. She was an older um, young lady. She was probably mid twenties. And I started to ask her questions um, because it seemed like something that was more of a genetic thing, not necessarily like neglect or things that she was doing. And um, one thing that she told me obviously was that she was adopted. Um, and cause I was like, what well, does your mom have, you know, thinning or, you know, does your dad have like male pattern baldness, any type of hair loss that you can see that would be in your family history? And she didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do understand that sometimes, you know, like when it's, you know, adoption that you may not ever find out, you know, who your parents are, or what, you know, that's like. So um, it was pretty awesome to share, again, an experience where she felt comfortable. She actually reached out to me through my Curly Kids campaign. Mm-hmm. So she's obviously not a curly kid anymore, but she's a curly <laughs> right. adult. But she had told me that for years um, she didn't feel comfortable. She didn't have any uh, resources. Her parents, her um, the parents said she know they are, they are, uh, were white, white parents. And she just, you know, always had a struggle with just kind of figuring out um, her hair period. And then when she started having these issues, she didn't know what it was a result of. So, like I said, it's just, to me, I take it as a, an opportunity to um, just love on people a little mm-hmm. bit more. Because, like I said, I know what um, hair can mean to people. Yeah. Right. And I also know um, the struggle yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, like I said, comes with all people of all races, all ages. It's not necessary. I mean, I have my girly white girls that are like, what do I do with it? You know? Mm-hmm. So it's one thing I also tell people is hair is hair. And mm-hmm. if you, you know, just don't be afraid of it. Um, it is different. It's just maybe a little bit more tightly wound, but there are so many, um, people that, you know, want to help and they want to help you look good. So right. appreciate um, that. Yeah, we really I, do. <laughs> and they want to help you cut down on the time that you spent in the products yeah. because that is one of the main things. Do you know, like this is a billion dollar I believe industry. It. I tell people all the time, my three-year-old has more products than, than I do. <laughs> no. it, what have incredible. you found that works for her? Um, so we use a lot of um, the Carol's Daughters okay. stuff. Um, that we use the hair cream just to keep his scalp moist, mm-hmm. and um, and he uses the shea co wash, okay, um, and and body body soap. Okay. So we um, we use that. It's kind of interesting. My my daughter has curly hair, and I don't. Uh-huh. And I at first was really perplexed by that. And so every now and then I'll get a product for a brother and I'll be like, hey, get Braden's um, detangler. I think that would work, work. in your hair too. <laughs> so it's, it's been good all around in our house, my education on hair products and curly hair. Yeah. So, yeah. Know, we can all use a little bit of help <laughs> in the education department. I think the, the learning curve is steep for sure. 
I look forward to the day where my girls can understand their hair enough and want to mm-hmm. and feel empowered enough to take care of their hair themselves. themselves. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that continued education um, from myself and from others in mm-hmm. the community, the hair care community is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that we're doing also at Foster Village Charlotte. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got some amazing volunteers um, like Shastity who's <laughs> coming in to help talk to some of our parents about what it looks like to care for different textures of hair, um, some different things that we can do to protect the scalp, to protect mm-hmm. the hair. Um, we're moving away from the summer months, so less, maybe less about swimming, but right. uh, how we can w- help with styling and mm-hmm. s- school looks, staying, right. staying clean and nice looking. Yeah, and something that can you don't have to do every day. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> the maintenance. The yes. maintenance, yes. low maintenance, yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah, yep. so we really appreciate that, too. That's, yes. that's really important for us as we continue to grow our foster community and be supportive of the children and the families that we're working mm-hmm. with. Now with Foster Village Charlotte, right? Yes. Foster Village mm-hmm. Charlotte. Okay. Um, about how many um, moms do you have or families, I guess, do you have a part of it? So Foster Village Charlotte is a local nonprofit that okay. was started about a year and a half ago um, by myself and three other foster moms. Awesome. And we started with the mission of uh coming alongside the foster families who are loving and caring for our most vulnerable children. Um, So our goal is to bring the community into this practice and have different workshops where uh, the community can be supportive of the families who are caring for the kids. And this looks like continuing education. This looks like emotional, social support. This looks like showing up with tangible needs for the kids when they arrive with that very short notice on the doorstep. We have Mm -hmm. our welcome pack program where we can show up within a few hours of children entering a new home with a, you know, kind of a weekend bag of supplies that includes hair products. We do have some organizations who have donated um, ethnic hair kits to us, which is really helpful Mm -hmm. when we get referrals uh, for families who've never dealt with textured hair before. We always try to give them some extra hair care supplies uh, and so far this year, we've served a little over 200 families. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that looks like... Um, That's amazing. That looks like a lot of interaction and engagement. Such a blessing. Yeah. We've got over 600 children in foster care right now in Mecklenburg County. Wow. So something that we can continue to engage in yeah. and work on is stabilizing those families so that the kiddos can have the healthiest experience possible for mm-hmm. as long as they are in the home. Mm-hmm. And if people want to find out more about what you guys are doing, how do they do that? You can find us uh, on our website, which is fostervillagecharlotte.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for joining me today and enlightening our listeners on, you know, what the experience you guys and your families have had. And um, I look forward to working with you guys very soon. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. (laughs) No problem.